Welcome to the Heal Podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Hi friends, welcome to the last episode in season two. So sad, but I know that producing these episodes for you guys is better than nothing. So thank you for your grace for me in this new season of motherhood. And I do have a plan to keep going with the podcast. I thought it would take forever for these episodes to get published. And what do you know, the time passes and they do. So please make sure you are subscribed so that you are notified when season three releases. And please know that I'm working on that behind the scenes for you guys. I still value you and I still feel like this is a season to still produce the podcast just in a different way. So today I couldn't think of a better way to round out season two than with Rachel Marie Kong. Now she is the author of an incredible book that came out called Let There Be Art. But in this, I know that maybe some hairs can rise on the back of your neck or your shoulders tense up in defensiveness, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be an episode that calls me to creativity amidst all of my limitation. Yes, but here's the beauty is that Rachel knows exactly what this is like. Not only has she been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, but she has also at one point gone through rheumatic fever. She has a thyroid that isn't functioning properly, went through a nodule in her neck. She struggles sometimes to have a voice or to pick up a pencil to even write. She talks about how sometimes she uses a voice recording to even write this book that you're hearing, which is incredible because of how amazing her wordsmithing is. It is just unbelievable. So Rachel not only knows what it's like to be in your position to have physical limitations and be surrendering them to the Lord, but she teaches us how to write a new story, how to let our creativity thrive even in the midst of that. So I think you guys are going to love this new hope that she calls you to and the practical ways in which she explains it. So here is my new friend, our last episode in this season, Rachel Marie Kong. Rachel, I'm already having a blast talking to you before we hit record, but now we'll share our conversation with the world. So welcome to the Heal Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So first off, we just like, I hate the question, like, tell us about yourself. But is there anything that we're not going to get into? I know we're going to talk about you a little bit professionally and writing and what's coming out. But what would you tell people that is, I mean, it can be weird. It doesn't have to be. We can talk about your parakeet you told me about. What are some things to help people get to know you a little bit? Yeah, sure. No, let's get real weird. Uh, When I first looked at this question, I was like, "Mm, I don't think I have any quirks. I'm pretty boring. And I was like, no, 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 no. I got one. Yeah. I listen to, in the first thing in the morning, rock music. That wakes me up. It gets me going. It keeps me like on track and focused. Like Christian rock, normal rock, classic rock. All kinds. All kinds. Christian rock, all, classic rock, all Screamo, kinds. does it lean heavy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We get Screamo, too. But it's so funny because my husband is like, he says I have two modes. So it's either like hardcore rock, like Screamo metal, or like sometimes he'll you'll catch me like with my AirPods in and I'm listening to like the Dwell Bible and there's like piano music <laughs> in the background. So that's, I love that's, that. it's pretty quirky about me. And uh, yeah, that's not something that people would would assume or know. <laughs> well, I can respect that. This is I don't know that I've admitted this on the podcast before, but when I was an athlete, and I mean people would get this. My my book is called Swimming for Freedom, so if you don't get the analogy, it's explained in there. But to motivate myself, I had a recording of Mel Gibson on Braveheart screaming <laughs> freedom, and that was that was my alarm every morning. That's awesome. And then if I traveled with people, they would be like what is that I mean he's being tortured to death right so I don't know I can respect your your rock that's so good we're we're all a little bit crazy here but we all we are we all are yeah so what about going into more of what brought this interview about what is coming up in your life that's a big deal that you get to share with the world 
Absolutely. Yeah, I've got this book that I am literally birthing into the world. And the idea for it came 2018. And then, you know, I got signed in 2020, right in the middle of the world, kind of, you know, wading through the pandemic. Um, And, you know, summer of 2020 was also just a real rough time in terms of racial tensions and politics, so much going on, right? And so I feel like I've been holding this project so close to my heart and kind of like what you and I were saying earlier before, I'm just so ready to like release it. Like I I don't want to hoard it to myself anymore. I want to get it out and to share it. So yeah, let there be art. It's my first Mm -hmm. book and uh, it's coming. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you mean when I first looked at this, let there be art? Because art is a very broad term. So it's fun, it's creative, but is this for artists? If someone listening is like, oh, well, I don't paint, I'm not a musician, that kind of thing. Is it for everyone? Yeah, I, I love this question. And I I kind of have a twofold answer for, for the reason behind this yeah. title, right? And so when you say, let there be art, my hope for anyone that would see it, read it, say it, is that that would ring a bell, right? That that would make you think of let there be light. And so, yes, let there be art in terms of the way that art, that music, that paintings, that dance, that plays, that movies, that books, all these things that people make and create bring light into our lives, bring hope into our lives, make us laugh, make us love better, right? And so, yeah, I mean it in a way of like, let there be art, let there be light in the world through the things that we do and make. But also, you know, as you were saying, yeah, I meant it to be broad. Let there be art. You know, and the way that I kind of approach my chapters is that each chapter focuses on a particular medium or, you know, expression of art, uh, movement or dance, comedy, you know, acting plays. And so I kind of explore a broad range of these mediums on purpose. Mm-hmm. And number one is so that it would be relevant for, for lots of different people, right? Because art isn't just painting and it's not just singing. It's so much more than that. These days it's TikTok reels, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, my hope is that it would be broad and that people in these pages can find themselves in, you know, the big things that I explore and also the, the little themes that I explore. Yeah. So as I'm thinking about it, I am a very aggressive type A personality. And I think sometimes people like me, I'll just speak for myself, can read something like this. And I mean, I am a creator. I, I'm i not a musician or, I mean, I used to paint. I don't have time for that. Or, well, you choose what Everyone has enough time. We all have the same amount of hours. I don't choose to do those things, right? But I would consider myself a creator. And yet I feel like I look at that and I'm like, oh, but that just seems so unproductive to stop and let there be art. And that's just how how it comes across to me. And so Mm. if there are people listening who are like, ah, but being creative, I don't really have time for that. And I don't. I have things to accomplish. I think it's a very American mindset to not stop. But like, what would you say to that of, I feel like creativity is going to hurt my productivity or this is not something that I can make room for in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I think in, in, in a way I kind of also argue within this book that a lot of the things that we are already doing that we don't view as creative, as artful, is art itself, you know? And so I have a chapter where I talk about being at home with your kids and how home is a hub of creativity, right? But for for a lot of us, moms, fathers, you know, even those of us that we don't have families, we're just living at home by ourselves and we just see our homes as mundane, you know, the laundry piles moving from one couch to the other, the bills piling up. How are we supposed to see beauty in a place like this? How how are we supposed to find creativity in the midst of, you know, all that demands, right? Mm-hmm. And so particularly in this chapter and all throughout, I just make a case for these things that we are doing. There is opportunity and invitation, not just to create art or you know to be creative but to partake of it as well to stop yes Mm -hmm. to stop 
and to pause and to pay attention to those that are around us, you know, the scenery that is around us. So yeah, it, it is an invitation to see the art that is around us, as well as, you know, a call to say, hey, let, let's create, let there be art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, have you thought about this book and your concept being tied to Sabbath? And those kind of disciplines? Absolutely. I actually have a chapter where I explore okay. silence and rest and seasons of stillness and Sabbath. And and I do think that there's, you know, this is something that in my own personal life, I'm I'm opening myself to ponder what does it look like to live in and out of seasons, mm-hmm. right? We have this natural world where we have our winter, our spring, our summer, our fall. And we fall in and out of these seasons with the world, right? With the leaves that fall and the snow that comes. And how do we embrace that in our lives, right? How do we embrace seasons of rest, seasons of change, seasons when things are being born in us and seasons when things Mm -hmm. are coming to an end and they're dying in us? How do we embrace that in our work? How do we embrace that in our families? How do we embrace that in our creativity? And so I do have a chapter where I explore this idea of resting and silence and stillness and what to make of seasons where it seems like nothing is happening. Yeah. I don't want to make the term spiritual discipline meaningless as we apply it to too many things, but I really do think that we are as at least what I see as a cultural Christian theme is that we're regaining these spiritual disciplines. And I think what you're saying with art is a spiritual discipline because it it reconnects you to the creator in a way that I think other things don't. So absolutely. That's what I was thinking of. It connects us to the creator, but it also connects us to each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk about our faith, when we talk about Christian faith and and the church at large, we're talking about community. We're talking about being connected to one another, to encouraging and edifying one another, right? And art is such a powerful way in which we can do that. We can Mm -hmm. do meal trains, right? (laughs) We can, you know, stop by someone's house and mow their lawn. We can send money, but we can also create things and we can make things or we can partake in the art or the work that someone else is making. And that is edifying. And that is uh, deeply, deeply spiritual. It's very, very intimate, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's jump into people listening. Most of them have something going on in their bodies. Mm -hmm. So before we lose them in this, oh, well, I can't create art. So that's great. I'm I'm not someone who's concerned about productivity because I'm stuck at home all day, not being what I would consider productive. What would you say to someone as we, we jump more into this and we'll get into your story in a second about, well, I don't feel like I have the capacity to be creative or to produce any kind of art. How am I supposed to matter in this conversation? Yeah, absolutely. I think I want to say first off before I like give any how to's or like even tell my story and just say like, you are seen and you are loved and you do matter. The life that you lead matters and that Christ sees that and that it's valuable and it's worthy and it's so, so good. And I think we, I know for myself. And so therefore I want to say, I think that we all forget that so often, you know, like we forget the fellowship of God with us, you know, and loving us and congratulating us before we do anything amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, part of my story is that, you know, I, I had a bout with rheumatic fever when I was in high school and that was a, that was a trying time because that was, you know, right around the time where I was coming to know God for myself. And so I, I very, 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 you know, I just can clearly remember being in chorus, dealing with, you know, issues with my voice, issues with my throat. Rheumatic fever is a is a, an autoimmune disease that's triggered by untreated strep throat. And it just wreaks havoc on your body. And it all starts with a sore throat, you know. And so I remember being in choir, having this passion for singing, deciding this is what I want to do with my life. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a touring rock star. <laughs> and I'm going to sing and I'm going to play music and I'm going to write songs and not being able to sing in that season. 
So my journey with physical limitations and, and disease or health, you know, it started there. So walked through that, worked through that and, you know, had another blip in 2015. Obviously I'm speeding through here for the sake of time, you know, mm-hmm. but had another encounter in 2015 that, that utterly brought me back to that same place again. And then fast forward 2020, where I'm pregnant in the middle of the pandemic, I just get signed to write two books. And then I give birth to my son. I'm still writing this book. And then I I start to walk down this road of, you know, I have thyroid issues and we're looking at, do you have cancer? You have nodules? You know, what's going on here? It's hypothyroidism. Okay, let's treat that. Oh, it's not just hypothyroidism, it's Hashimoto's, right? And and all of this, I'm speeding through, right? But all of this painstakingly is taking place Mm -hmm. day by day, week by week, month by month, as I'm trying to wake up, work take care of my kids and write a book. Yeah, so I I wrote I wrote this book through that kind of a season and it therefore you know it shifted my thought process on creativity itself and what I would say to those that are also walking through a similar season and not just walking through like dwelling, you know, like like living it day in and day out with there's possibly no chance of of this situation changing right because that is a, a reality for some of us and so i think probably the biggest thing that i have learned is first to just to adapt and to say okay whoa something has changed here something has died something has fallen off how do i move now how do i exist how do i operate you know and so that's a little bit of my my heart and my story behind this. And we could definitely yeah. talk like logistics and practicals. Well, before you do that, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for what you said to people. Because I think we need to hear that we, that we value and God sees us before anything that we are creating. When you're talking, I'm thinking about what you said earlier about seasons. So this is a totally random question. But do you think that we can be aware of seasons while we're in them. So I thought a lot about this, right? Sometimes I feel like I don't notice that I had a winter season until it's over. And you can have a winter season that's 16 months or maybe it's two months, whatever it is. And so as you're sitting here talking about what you were going through writing this book, it's almost like you were in a fall, a dying season going into winter, at least with your health. But then at the same time, I feel like you could argue you're in this spring season with your book of creation and doing those kinds of things. And then you had, I don't know what kind of season your family was in. And you just, we have all these different sectors of our lives. I don't know if we, do we look at them as a whole? How do we know? I don't even know if this matters. It's just interesting to me. Yeah. Can we tell what season we're in? Yeah, no, this, this absolutely matters. And like, you know, so I was kind of talking about like, we have to adapt, right? And that's one of those things that we have to adapt in is like, we look at our lives like, okay, September school starting. So we're all in the same season. And it's like, actually, no, like, Mm -hmm. we're not all in the same season. It might be a physical, you know, elemental spring in the world, but someone could very much be in a winter with their body. And then just like you said, in a spring with their work. And so I think pausing and kind of zooming out and taking the time to examine that and say, yeah, this is a this is a winter. I'm in a winter right now. Absolutely. And that's and that's what it was for me, you know. It it really was, you know, I sensed this this change in my body, you know, and I'm going to doctors in and out of the offices and there's no firm diagnosis. There's no, you know, we don't have any answers yet and yet and yet I'm sensing in my body, you know, something has changed. Some something has died mm-hmm. here. And then to have to be creatively or emotionally or mentally in a spring season where I am, I am taking something and I'm creating and I'm bringing something to life. It, it is so hard, you know, to juggle those two things, but it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. And I, I really do think that it, it, 
it looks a lot like allowing and accepting whatever that change is. And so for me, a lot of writing my book, there were a few chapters, and I actually write about this in in one of my chapters. There were a few chapters where I didn't write them on a computer and I didn't write them by hand. I had to speak them out to a dictation app to record, you know, my thoughts. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's cool Side that we note, have because your sentences, like your writing, so beautiful. I'm like, wow, that's amazing <laughs> well, that you spoke that. Time and editing also help with that, you know. Yeah, but you know, I I got a bulk of of some of these chapters, uh, a few of them out by writing them because I had to. So my options there were you either don't write these chapters because your hand is in pain right Mm -hmm. now, or you can find a different way. And I know that there's a there's a lot to say because all of us have different circumstances and we're in different seasons. But I think a huge part too in being able to like examine where we Mm -hmm. are is you know, here comes a, a cliche thing that we hear all the time, but we cannot compare our mm-hmm. lives to others. We cannot. And you might you might be in a in a fall where something is changing, something is falling off, and you could be looking at someone that's in a summer and you're gonna be like, I'm supposed to mm-hmm. be there. I'm supposed to be there. Like I should be writing with a pen in hand. I should be dancing the way that they are dancing. I'm I'm classically trained. I should be playing like them. And that that is like the one thing that we need to stop doing. I will also say, and then I'll let you pick up, but I think there's also something too, and this this kind of goes along with rest, you know, the what we were kind of discussing earlier. But there's something so beautifully powerful, and I talk about this in my book, about partaking of the art and creativity of others. And I've had many seasons where I had to sit it out in my own life. But being able to cheer someone else on, being able to read a book, being able to watch a movie, being able to see someone dance and move or be moved by the lyrics of a song, there is something so powerful in the way in which that we can engage with a created work of art that does give us meaning and it does give our lives value. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we downplay that a lot. Yeah. Well, also how I would think certain types of partaking in art for people in limitation could create a lot of bitterness. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you want to be an author and you're reading the types of books that you want to write and don't feel like you're in a place where you can create it, how does that add value? Or, you know, if you feel like, your disease has taken away your ability to play the piano, but you want to listen to it. Sometimes that could just make you really sad. So, I mean, do you grieve that and then give it to God? How does that not become a bitterness when you're partaking of other people's art? Yeah, I think that, I think that there's like three things here that you could do. You, you grieve that. Right. And I don't know how to speak into like how long that season of grief will take. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't put a number on that. You can't say in four weeks you should be over this. Right. It could take years, right. but I would say, yes, you know, once you, you come to a place where you're able to acknowledge that and you see that there is a bitterness, there is a sadness, a sorrow there and you grieve that. Right. And then what's so beautifully redemptive is that we still are invited into other things, you know? And so for myself, when I lost that ability to sing the songs that, you know, in choir, we were singing Mozart Requiem. I remember it clear as day, you know, um, Lacrimosa. And I was just crying that day because I realized and came to that realization, like, mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. And so that shifted me to start taking the poems that I'd been writing my whole life. And I was like, if I can't sing this music by that Mozart write, wrote, mm-hmm. I'll write my own music. I never set out to be a songwriter. I never set out to do that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just be a singer. I wanted to be famous. That's all I knew about myself. But I came to a place where I was like, if I can't do this, then I'm going to do this over here. You know, and I don't know how to speak to that jump. But I do know that it, it requires courage. It requires community. You can't do it alone. It requires creativity in of itself to be able to say, if I can't do this, then maybe I'll try this. 
And yeah. so I started writing my own songs and I wrote them in, in lower keys where I could, I could sing out the words. And that season didn't last forever because mm-hmm. hello, I'm not a songwriter and I'm not a, you know, and I'm not a touring musician. I'm, I'm now a writer. <laughs> um, and lo and behold, I still have mm-hmm. troubles with my voice these days for other reasons, but Hey, the songwriting that I've used in the past I see that it infiltrates mm-hmm. the books that I write, yeah. the lyrical writing that I have. And, and that came from that season of songwriting. And so though I don't, I'm not singing songs and I'm not a touring artist like I wish I could be, I just wrote a, a beautiful book that reads like a song. Mm-hmm. And I honor that transition, even though that wasn't the initial dream that I set out. Yeah. I want to say that you know, the third thing that, that we can do, you know, so we can grieve it, we can kind of shift and and adapt. But I I really do think that partaking of art, and maybe that does look like a season of rest, where we're not actively making anything, but we are partaking in, in, of something. And so if, if it's too hard to read a book, because that's your dream, watch movies, partake of movies, enjoy the the mm-hmm. cinematography of movies the character develop that you the the character development that you experience in movies that also in of itself is creativity to be able to change the way that you look at something and say you know what no i can get something out of this this is wildly creative mm-hmm. let me learn this new thing absolutely I love everything that you said and you're making me feel justified <laughs> because <laughs> my husband and I love movies and we watch one every Sabbath and I feel kind of bad some people I've heard are like well that's not a very Sabbathy thing to do but we just love story yeah and so I can just get so engrossed in that or I've really transitioned I used to read mostly nonfiction after college mm-hmm. and I read a ton of fiction now but Mm -hmm. it's because it it is story it's someone else's genius and it's fascinating and I can enjoy that and not feel guilty right listen I'm the person to talk to because I'm going to sit here and tell you watch those movies do not feel bad about it at all you know like and I too I really do consider movies to be a very formative experience for me spiritually Mm -hmm. you know I I see redemption in so many films. I wrote about this in my book too. I had to, mm-hmm. I had to, because sometimes, you know, there, there have been seasons in my life where obviously I believe in God's word, but there have been some seasons where even, even the word couldn't penetrate the anxiety or, or whatever depth that I was in, mm-hmm. you know, but a movie and seeing visualizing the redemption story, whether it's a Christian movie or not, you know, and I'll just tell you right now, Transformers, the first movie, that was a huge (laughs) one for me. And I write about it in the book because Mm -hmm. I, I visually got to see, oh my gosh, is that what it's like when God loves us? Is that what it's like when God is so big Mm -hmm. and powerful and, and is a protector of us? Is that what it looks like? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not the person to talk to if you like, if you're trying, if you're like feeling guilty for watching movies, cause I'll be like, watch those movies, watch those movies, you know? And of course we got to gauge with them and you do got to think a little bit, like there's some character development going on. There's, yeah. there's a setting, there's a theme here. Once you start like looking into those things, oh my gosh, it's, it's the possibilities are endless. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, the anatomy of story is a, th- very interesting book for anyone who's wanting to write uh, fiction. But no, I have a scene in Lord of the Rings that was life-changing for me in the worst place in my life, you know, because I mean, we won't go into that, but there are just so many. We could, because I was watching Lord of the Rings last night, so. (laughs) Oh, really? I've probably seen them. I don't even want to know how many times. 30. I'm also rereading Chronicles of Narnia as an adult right now. Nice. Right? And you're just like, ah. These, there's just so many nuggets in here. Yes. I, I do see, though, someone listening and you could just be like, OK, well, that means I'm going to watch Netflix all day. Thanks, <laughs> Rachel and Tara. So, you know, with everything, I think there's attention. Yes. And there's OK. Am I using this as a way to partake in someone's creativity right. to be connected to others and to God? Or am I using this as a coping mechanism yes. to numb myself yes. from the pain that I'm experiencing? Yes. 
So do we just ask ourselves that? Do we let God search our hearts? Because I do think there is within the same person, we can go either way. Absolutely. It's just like anything else in the world. It's just like money. It's just like food, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like medication. There's always going to be a fine line. And so just like with anything else, yes, you know, you approach watching movies, even reading books, Mm -hmm. TikTok, even, you know, if you're, I love TikTok for the comedy that, that it brings into my life. And, but there is a discipline that needs to be there. And there is also an attentiveness that needs to be there, not mind numbingly consuming, but I am partaking in this and participating with it. And and how am I doing that? What does it look like afterwards? Are you processing? You know, mm-hmm. are you are you thinking about these movies, these TikToks, whatever it is, these books, these stories, or are you just consuming? You know, yeah. so yeah, that very, very valid point that you make there. Oh, that's so good. Are you processing or are you just consuming? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna have to sit on that one for a bit. Yeah. One of my other thoughts as you've been talking And you've kind of answered it here, but I wanted to see if I phrase it a little differently, if it would bring something different out of you as well. But I'm thinking about how so often when we're given a diagnosis or physical limitation, whether that is for a season or whether that is something that we carry with us, the side of heaven, we need to accept our limitation, right? And it was something one of my friends recently said he was doing some kind of leadership check or something. It was like these 10 questions that you can ask yourself on how much maturity you're walking in and what, what kind of person you're becoming. And one of them that I thought was an interesting question was how am I accepting my human limitations right now? Mm, And like asking yourself that because it's so important for me in this season. I know this will air hopefully when I have a a beautiful baby girl, but right now she's still inside of me, you know, and it's just, you know, pregnancy is an interesting time full of all kinds of Mm -hmm. limitations and asking Mm -hmm. myself, how am I accepting my limitations right now? Am I okay Mm -hmm. if I need to take a 20 minute nap every day? Because it just is what I need right now to build a human and get through my day. So all of that to say, accepting our limitation and yet the same time you talk about giving ourselves permission to create. Yeah. So how I love moving people from this place of yes, grieve, yes, mourn the loss. Yes, all of that. And then God still has a plan. And then yeah. how do you still connect? And so maybe what does that look like in your life? I don't know what, what does that trigger in you when I talk about these concepts of how do you both accept that limitation in a, a beautiful, healthy way, and then give yourself permission to innovate, to change, to create in whatever way. Because I I believe even a quadriplegic, you know, is meant to create in in some form or another. We're meant to reflect that part of God. Yeah. What what does that bring up in you? All of my words. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, that's such a good question. It's such a good processing, you know, and it's, it's such a good conversation. And I, I do agree with you. Like, how do we go from grieving those limitations, accepting them, but then also like moving towards a place of, of innovation and, and creativity ultimately. And so I first want to say there is beauty to be found in and through our limitations. I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. We don't always believe that. It's hard to get to that place. It takes time. Sometimes we can get to believing that there's beauty in our limitations and then, you know, we enter into another season and we're like, actually, Mm -hmm. there's not, you know, this is horrible. This is, this is not the plan. This is not fun. But there is something to when, like I said before, and I really, I really am coming to believe in this idea of like seasonality, right? The idea of like, something is changing, something is dying. And then something is coming to life or something is just in abundance, right? How do we rest in that? How do we accept that? And how do we really just dwell in that season, right? Of embracing where we are. I believe that it can be found when you do look outside of yourself. When you do look to maybe the children that are surrounding you. You might, you might not be able to run with them the way that you wish, but you can observe them. And if you can see just how beautiful 
they play together. Maybe not always, you know, it kind of gets a little wild sometimes. <laughs> but those moments, those glimmers where you see a smile or you see, you hear a laugh, it's those little moments that we can kind of cling to, right? Or a sunset, right? That, that mm-hmm. fraction of a moment where we're seeing the gloriousness of our God, of his creativity, right? And we are so moved by that. Um, I think hinging onto moments like this is just so healing for our souls, right? And then, yes, it does look like fearlessly or bravely, however we want to put that, linking arms with others, stepping out and trying something new. And I think that we'll be delighted when we do that. I believe that there are echoes within us, you know? So for for the person that, let's just keep going with movies since yeah. that resonates with you and I, and I have a feeling that might resonate with a lot of listeners, right? But yeah. let's go with movies, you know? I, um, gosh, there's always been this inkling of like, I love movies. I just love watching movies. Mm-hmm. And as I processed that and I kind of contemplated on that and like asked myself, why do you like movies? Why, why do you feel so good when you finish a movie? Why do the characters stick with you weeks after you finish a movie? Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, it's story. There's something, it's something more. And, and then it's the composition of film. It's the way that you know, this particular scene that there was light and darkness or, you know, how fast it, all of that, the composition, right? And so it's, it's been really cool to like, follow that breadcrumb, that inkling of a little passion or inkling of an interest. Mm -hmm. And now these days, like TikTok, everybody can make movies and reels, right? We're all making videos. And so every time I make a, a reel, it's like I'm living that little bit of a dream, that little living out that little bit of creativity that I saw and first loved in movies. And it's scary at first to try something new. Mm-hmm. I'm not a videographer. I didn't study film in college. I yeah. I am not a professional at any, you know, I'm not a professional. But taking those small te- steps towards something new and finding, wow, this is fulfilling too. I really do think it starts with small steps. I think it it starts with linking arms with others and seeing that they're trying new things too and letting them encourage you as you step forward and and not being afraid to fail. Like, of course, you're going to mess it up. That was my next question, though, (laughs) is for the perfectionist in us, side note, you're also really making me want to create a TikTok, which I won't because I just think that would be too much of a vortex for me. But can I see your TikToks without having a TikTok account? Sure. Yeah, you can. Anyone can do that. I don't know if you can just go on there and watch. I'll have to go look up what you're doing because you're making it sound so intriguing to me. But for someone who is sitting here like, okay, well, you know, I used to paint and now I can't. So I'm going to try to do something different like you're telling me to. I'm going to pivot. Let's use that uh, 2020 word. Bring it back. But (laughs) I know that what I'm going to do is not going to be up to my expectations. It's not going to be up to what I could do before. Or I'm I'm thinking right now I got a card in the mail from Johnny and Friends yesterday the day before it was her christmas card and are are you familiar with johnny erickson no no okay so she died in the accident she's just paved the way for disability ministry and so she's Mm. quadriplegic but she paints with her mouth and so she has i don't know if it's a new painting or one they've just brought back for her christmas cards but it's just this is this beautiful painting with a camel and just Mm. the christmas sky that she did with her mouth and you're like well great. I'm so glad that Johnny is so talented that she can create a painting, painting with her mouth instead of her hands. But it, that that fear, right? That's what I can say is, but it's not going to be what I want it to be. I was actually telling my husband this, this weekend where I'm like, I think it's interesting that God has called me into being an author because it's like most of the time in the form of words, I can get out what is in my mind. But that's what frustrates me so much about painting or Mm -hmm. drawing is that I'm decently talented. I actually am pretty darn good at copying a picture. Yeah. If you you just put something up, I can copy it really well. But to have a picture of something, I cannot get that onto a a page in creativity to just make something. And so that really frustrates me with art. And so what do we do? When we're we're saying why why is the work of my hands worthy if it looks like 
a child's pottery piece. Yeah, absolutely. Why, why, why is it worthy? Right. Yeah. I have two things to speak into that. And so the first is, I think we, because of social media, and I don't knock social media because I am a believer in social media. And I think that it can be wildly redemptive and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But just like anything else, you know, there's always kind of a dark side. Because of social media, I think that a lot of us now have this natural instinct or innate belief that when we make something, we automatically have to share it. Mm. And that's just not true. We don't always have to share what we make. That's good. We don't always have to share what we're trying out. And so if there is someone that wants to try painting, but you're afraid that you're going to fail miserably, then fail miserably, but don't share it Mm. and let it be a personal, intimate experience for you, yourself, and the Holy Spirit, you know, where you are trying something new and you are practicing the art of failing and trying again and failing and trying again, right? And so maybe you get good at it, right? Or maybe you just simply find that you love it even without it being perfect. Mm Or, and here's the second thing that I wanted to say, maybe you find you don't like it at all. <laughs> You're, you don't want to continue. So then don't. Yeah. <laughs> we, I don't know why there is this unspoken, unwritten rule of just because you start something, you have to finish it. You can have a hobby for a week. Mm-hmm. You can try something new. I might, it might get expensive. Like you <laughs> might be buying stuff all the time, but you know, if you're creating alongside of friends, just borrow their things or uh, get creative and use what you already have. But honestly, you can start something and there is no obligation. If you are mm-hmm. like, I'm really, I thought I would like this. I thought I was passionate about it. I thought there was something there, but I'm, I don't think that there is. And let it go. Let it change. Let it die. And give it some time. Another thing will yeah. pop up and you'll think to yourself, I think yeah. I want to try that. Let it just seep on yeah. that, you know? Like just why do you think that we have such a struggle with unmaking promises to ourselves or to others? Because I think for me, I mm-hmm. very, very much I mean, I love the verse in the Bible, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I get really frustrated and judgmental of myself and others when they don't do that mm-hmm. because I hold myself mm-hmm. to a very high standard. But I think for me, yeah. I heard I think it was Craig Rochelle at, at the leadership summit a few years ago. He said in his message, have the courage, good leaders have the courage to unmake promises that weren't mm-hmm. great. So you're yeah. like, you know what? I'm gonna try a poem. But there's something in us that's like, man, I hate this, but I'm going to keep going. Or, you know, I'm going to try a new, a new recipe and maybe I'll be someone who falls in love with cooking. And yeah, you know what? It's not. I mean, is it because we're sharing it on social media? Like, hey, God told me to write. And so I'm going to write a book. And then it's like, actually, I hate writing. I mean, why do we struggle so much with with unmaking promises yeah when, when it's a good thing? Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's some truth to what you just said, right? Of like, if we're publicizing something and then we're like okay now I got to keep up with this dang it you know like I do I do think that there's a side to that but I I I also like let's honor who we really are right and we we are beings that were created by a loving God he created us for relationship he created us for community and therefore he he created us with a bend for commitment right and so yes there there's a very real part of us Mm -hmm. that has this draw to be committed right to each other to god yeah that's a good thing yeah and it's a very good thing and so maybe sometimes we we do take that and apply that to a lot of other things in our lives which can be good and maybe sometimes can not be so good if you have a job it's probably a good idea that you would be committed right to your job to showing up and to doing the work like your marriage vows in general that's yes, a good thing absolutely <laughs> so i do think that there there's probably something there where you know we we take that with us and we apply that to our hobbies to fun to play i think that there's a very real you know and i wrote about this in my chapter as well but there's this a very real i don't want to say struggle but i think adults wrestle with like to just play mm-hmm. you know like this isn't for work. This doesn't have to be even formative. Like you can just play like a child, 
There's no goal in mind. Mm -hmm. We are invited to that. Our lives, you know, God is not sitting up in heaven, like watching us with a ruler in his hand and, and keeping track of like, okay, this one's being productive. This one's being productive. This one's not Mm -hmm. being so productive. Like we have time to play. We have space to play. We have invitation to play. So I do think that there's like a couple things that definitely come into play with that, which might be a reason to read my book because I kind of (laughs) tackle all of them at the same time. So you'll be like, oh, but what about the fear of failure? Oh, we got that. Oh, but sometimes I just want to play. Okay, well, we're talking about that too. So (laughs) I love it, which I am taking you in circles on everything that you're talking about in your book. But I think it's really fun to talk about and see how much we can fit in an hour. So no, I mean, that's what the Bible gives us permission to do is to enter the kingdom like children, right? Yeah. How have you seen in your two sons, remind us how old they are, how old you told me they're, about them and their childlikeness in in terms of creativity and what we're talking about? Yeah. How do you see God in them? So uh, my uh, oldest son is four and my youngest son is one and a half going up on two. He's just really two though. I mean, (laughs) And um, yeah, this happens every day and I'm both surprised by it and humbled by it. I'm also convicted by it. And I think I'm thankful for that conviction that comes when I see how I want to say frivolous my kids can be. Like they just Mm. do whatever they want with no care. And obviously as parents, you know, we we're there to protect and to rein them in, but I mean, we live in a rental and my little baby son, like he scribbled all over the walls and in all these different places. And there's like, you know, 50% of me is like, I got to cover this up. Like, what if, (laughs) what if the landlord comes? And then there's like 50, I'm really lying. It's more like 75% of me. That's like, it's so beautiful. Like, I just want to frame it because it was just him thinking I'm going to do this without a care in the world. And, mm. and I want to be like that in my life. I want to be like that. Gosh, in my loving, I want to be like that in my creating. I want to be like that in my work. I want to be like that in my relationships. I want to be like that in the way that I serve others. I want to just be able to not fear. You know, there's this quote by C.S. Lewis, I'm probably taking it majorly out of context and don't even know it verbatim, but he basically says something about like, if you don't want to break your heart, you know, then don't ever love, right? Don't, don't risk that. Mm. If you want to remain safe, if you want your heart to remain safe, you want it to never break, you want it to be impenetrable, then don't love, you know, don't be in relationship with people. I think that's how I feel about like my children and the way that they're impacting the way that I look at life and how I view my art and my energy and even my love. I just, I want to give it freely all of it and they show me that in in the way that they just are so endless in their ideas and their creativity in their energy in the questions there's just something to that it's and so even you know for those that, that maybe you don't have kids but you have kids in your life through church or through family or extended family there really is such an invitation to to remember how to play to remember how to view the world as a child, you know, to live with adventure and wonder as if our resources are are not finite. Yeah. <laughs> There's something to that. Well, what you're saying makes me think, I wonder if one of the enemy's biggest ploys against those who have physical pain or limitation is taking away our childlikeness, truly. Mm. Because it's kind of like when yeah. you... As a child, lots of people feel like they had to grow up too fast for whatever reason. I feel like an illness does that to our souls if we're not careful. And so that's just something that I was thinking about right now. But man, how do we... I'm asking you all these how questions, but you wrote a book on, on a lot of it. So like, how do we fight back against the enemy trying to take that childlike hope, that childlike joy, right? Because we've been disappointed so many times that loses our childlike hope. We have seen, well, I I mean, I know God heals miraculously, but he hasn't healed me. So I lose my childlike faith. 
you know, well, I'm in pain, so then I lose my childlike creativity. What what do we do to fight back, Rachel? Yeah, you know what? I think I think in response to that question, I am actually going to read a little excerpt from from my book. I think that this would be a perfect spot to kind of explore what you were just processing there. So yeah, this is coming from my fourth chapter, Let There Be Courage. Anna Abraham writes in The Neuroscience of Creativity that our knowledge sometimes keeps us from knowing more. She writes that it is difficult for the human brain to deviate from what it knows, so it is easiest to ritualize that which it already knows. This idea is called conceptual constraint. Conceptual constraint bids us to settle comfortably into what we know. What we have experienced becomes what we expect over and over and over again. The trouble with this is, in turn, it inhibits our creativity. This means that instead of trying new things, we will resort to doing the same things. We do this to avoid the hard work that comes with figuring something out and doing it for the first time. Repetition is easier for the brain than reimagining. Perhaps this is true of the heart, too. Perhaps repeating the same narratives and telling the same stories is easier than reimagining new ones. Perhaps we stick to the scripts we know because it is easier than teaching ourselves new thought patterns. I wonder what this means for those of us who are already or want to be ready to live beyond our places of pain. How do we imagine hope in the midst of pain? How do we envision realities different from all that we already know? To do this would take creativity. It would take the same kind of courage required to explore realms of the unknown. It would take courage to admit the fact that you do not know all there is to know. It would take creativity to imagine, to visualize the possibility that there really could be something else on the other side of your pain. The invitation is this. You can bravely look within yourself to all there is within. You can peer ahead to see the possibility that lay beyond the horizon of your hurts, not as a way of pushing down the pain, but as a way of pushing on through it, not as a way of ignoring the pain, but as a way to imagine new life and hope beyond it. If ever there was an image portraying the paradox of someone in pain, but also peering into the possibility to come beyond it, it would be those rusty nails driven into the outstretched hands of Jesus Christ. It would be a portrait of the man of sorrows hanging on a tree, suffering his love while simultaneously giving it away. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Isaiah 53, 3. Pain is, paradoxically, a birthplace of good things, of joy, hope, even life itself. It will hurt, and it will be hard, retiring the habit of returning to what you know, of staring at your hidden suffering, or your secrets, or the repeat stories that you know by heart. But this is courage. Turning the direction of your gaze, turning your face to see anew, and shifting your perspective to imagine the other side of your pain. Isn't this the heartbeat of the Christian faith? Existing in this broken world that we've come to know and call home, all the while making room within our imagination for the hope that heaven, a place we've yet to see, really is on the other side of earth. Oh my gosh. Talk about perfect. Thank you for reading that. Yeah. That was exactly, it just like came, exactly like, what oh, I was asking. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm just awesome. like, well, that's that's closure right there. I just <laughs> am like, okay, well, thank you, Rachel, for having... I feel like you have embodied that in, in your work. And I know we actually didn't go yeah. into your personal story as much as I thought we were going to. That's but okay, I yeah. feel like you, on a daily basis, going through all of your health struggles and everything, had to just look at that and have the courage to 
do the harder thing, which is to imagine something other than what is. Yeah, absolutely. And I have said, I've said this, and I mean this. I really, like I could tear up saying this. I really wouldn't have had it any other way. Like, I'm so glad that the timing in which I had to write this book came, you know, because like, I wouldn't be able to to say these things. I wouldn't be able, mm-hmm. I would say no, you know, flippantly, like, just go and create, you know, just go yeah. and, and be and worship through your arts. And it's like, no, like, this is hard work. It's dying to yourself, right? Absolutely. But it is such holy work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say like the, the actual writing of this book, I did have to walk through this. And I'm yeah. so glad that I did because there are so many out there that walk through this every day. And we all need that reminder yeah. of this work that, that we're doing. Like right. what, what are we really doing when we choose into this? I don't think we think about creativity. It, I think we tend to view that as, oh, well, these are my passions. These are my giftings. It's supposed to be fun. I don't think we often think about creating as picking up our cross and, and following mm-hmm. Jesus when it can be when we're, when we're dealing mm-hmm. with some of these things. Yeah, Do you feel that? Absolutely. Right? It's like our yeah. culture is, oh, this is great. Yeah, just go create, just do these things. But it it can be a dying to ourselves for God to resurrect it in a different way, I think. And that's the key. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I want to say, and like just reiterate that the the amazing, beautiful, powerful thing about that is that yes, in doing so, we may be bringing hope and help to the world. We may be bringing light to the world, right? But first and foremost, we are doing that for ourselves. And if that is all that it ever does, that is enough. I think that the process of obedience is transformation. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm hearing from what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. That if you say, I'm going to write that little poem today, even if it's really bad, you know, well, you're probably dying to your pride. You're dying to mm-hmm. the fact that you would rather veg out on Netflix or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good, Rachel. There's so many things in this. I I want to re-listen to this episode when it's published just to hear the conversation again and let it speak to me versus having a conversation myself. But what have we not covered? Is there something burning on your mind, related, unrelated, that we haven't covered that you would want to share with people? Yeah, you know, um, I, I love to hear stories. And so if anyone reads this book, let there be art. And, you know, if any of these chapters resonate with you deeply, like send me an email, you know, shoot me a message. I, I do love to read those, you know, and I consider that part of the book. That's why I'm so excited to like get it out of me because and, and, and away from me because I, I don't want it to be about me. It's not about me. It's about mm-hmm. what are we all collectively creating and doing and how are we living? And You've included right? other people's pieces. of Yes. I did. And that was part of that was part of my vision for this book. So yeah, so I mean, I think that's everything I would just say I do have an online creative community. It's called the Fallow House. It's a free community. And we just go through seasonal prompts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that looks like writing prompts. And sometimes that just looks like, you know, questions to kind of get people going in in the way that they think about art or creativity. But anyone is welcome to engage with us. We're on Instagram at The Fallow House. We also have a Facebook group and a newsletter. And you can find out more about that at thefallowhouse.com. Awesome. Is that the same? I mean, the community is different than you have your own website and stuff where when you say, hey, if you something sticks out to you reading the book, contact me, that would just be on your yeah, website. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Hit me up on my website, rachelmariekong.com or across any socials, Rachel Marie Kong. I'd be so happy to hear. Yeah. Take care any story. So, well, thank you so much, Rachel. I hope people buy this book. I love the chapter uh, your publicist suggested specifically for us, which I think was spot on. But the let let there be movement chapter. I mean, that is something I feel like this yeah. audience, even if you're getting that, and just I know I really like to read books in order, but start with that, and I think that'll get people yeah. hooked on what you're doing and hope to do in this book. So thank you for doing this. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was really nice to get to know you a little bit too. 
I love that we are ending the season with Rachel's episode because it feels like a commissioning and a sending out. So here are her words for you. There can be healing in the midst of this hurt and hollowness, a healing that looks like wholeness, even when it does not look like a whole new body. There is a way, and though it is different, it is there, all right there for you. It is all right there for you, friend. I've linked how to get Rachel's book and how to connect with her in the show notes. Go forth, know, love, serve the Lord, and we will see you here again for season three in June.